Good morning. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. Can y'all hear me? I think I need a little more volume. All right, welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. It's great to see everyone this morning uh, on this Memorial, uh, Memorial Day Sunday. Uh, so good to see everyone. Uh, I would like to just remind you about a few things that are coming up. Of course, VBS is right around the corner, uh, so we're really excited about that. I know uh, Sherry Lyons is working hard. We want to remember her and her family uh, right now uh, as, as we're going through a difficult time with her mother. So remember her in your prayers. Um, but also, uh, if you want to help out with VBS, uh, there are places to get plugged in. There, there's lots of ways you can help. We're going to have a lot of kids all over this church that week. Uh, so uh, we need your help uh, because we are hoping that this is a, a great week uh, for spreading the gospel and, and sharing the gospel with families and with young children um, there in, in the middle of June. So we're really excited about that. And also, I just want to make a plug for something with our student ministry a week from today uh, in the evening time. So next Sunday evening, we're having a, an activity at the, at the Parsons Mitchell home where we're going to be doing all kinds of stuff. We'll have food and games and, and stuff going on there. So. Uh, we're excited about that, um, and if you're a visitor with us, we are so glad that you've come to worship with us this morning, uh, and if you would, if you don't mind, uh, we just ask kindly that you would take this tear-off tab here, fill that out, and drop it in the offering plate as it comes by, and that can be your gift to us this morning. We just want to let you know that uh, we're glad that you came to worship with us this morning, uh, and if you have any needs, any prayer requests, uh, let us know. I know there's there's many people in this church that, uh, that need prayer uh, and are burdened right now, so... Uh, we want to lift them up as well. Uh, and if you would, please uh, rise for the reading of God's word. And upon, upon the finishing of the reading, uh, take some time and greet your neighbor. This is from John, chapter 15, verse 12, 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appoint you, appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit shall be, should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Amen. Amen. Let's take this time and greet one another. as we sing together.
Would you join me as we go to our Savior in prayer? Fathers, we've just uttered the words, you're holy, you're worthy of our worship, you're worthy of our praise, and you're worthy of our service. We pray, Father, that we might walk with you day by day in likeness of you, growing in faith and stamina, growing in likeness of your holiness. Thank you for the privilege of gathering in this place on this Memorial Day. We thank you, Lord, for the men and women who have given their lives that we might have the freedom, one, of worshiping you in spirit and in truth. The privileges, Lord, that they purchased for us and we give you all the praise and the glory. Thank you for each person that is gathered here today. We know, our Father, there are many needs, and we lift those needs unto you this morning. We pray for a number of our folks that are unable to be here today. Some are in the hospital, some are traveling, some are homebound, but Lord, you are aware of each and every one of us. And I pray, Father, that as we worship you today, that you will truly be glorified. We pray for our pastor as he shares your word with us this morning. I pray for he and his family and their little daughter, Lord, as she has her surgery. We pray, God, that you would prepare her mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And likewise for the doctors that will be doing this surgery, Lord. May your hand be up on them. Bless in this service today. For those that do not know you as Savior and Lord, may this be the day they will surrender their all at the cross and commit their heart and life unto you, receiving Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. In whose name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Hurd. I'm going to ask everybody to be seated. This weekend is Memorial Day weekend, and this is the time, as Brother Hurd shared, that we remember those that have given their life for our nation and for our freedom. So we're going to have a special time of recognition. I'm going to invite Roy Browning to come forward. We're also going to present the flag. So Roy, I'm going to hand this to you. Here, I'll tell you, what if, what if you hold the microphone and I'll hold this that way? Would you please stand for the presentation of the colors? Memorial Day now, but I remember when I was a kid, it was Decoration Day. And 
service of the country. Most observances started after the Civil War, around 1866, 1868, in the South. And they just went to a cemetery near Columbus, Georgia, decorated the grave of the Confederates and then others left the Union and the flowers. So they graciously decided to place flowers on their graves also. And it's grown over the years. Up until World War One, it was just for the Civil War veterans. After World War One, it decided it would be for all veterans. Did not become a federal holiday until 1971 which I think Congress was a little bit behind on that fact. Because at that time, they were in one of the most divisive wars, other than the Civil War, that this nation's ever been in. I want to thank all the veterans. Would you please stand if you are a veteran? If you are a first responder, EMT. spouse or a widow of a veteran, would you please stand? Thank you. This morning we want to honor a special member of our church. Would Bill Eads come forward, please? Bill, did you, is that right? The Navy? Air Force. Doesn't matter what branch of service. You signed an oath that you promised to give everything you had up to and including everything you are. I want to thank you for your service. I want to present this flag to you as a token of the congregation's appreciation and of my appreciation. Well, one of the great hymns of our faith that's also a great hymn about country, God of Our Fathers. We'll sing that together.
I might remind you that in a couple of weeks we're having a summer choir. Every Sunday morning the choir will rehearse up here instead of in the choir room. And anyone who wants to sing in the choir, you're welcome to come. It'll be music that's pretty easy to read. Just pick it right up and we'll sing it. It'll be a great time as we begin that two weeks from today. Okay? Now that we're going to sing a song that I know you know and you love called Give Thanks.
would you stand please? Ushers, you come as we sing. Then at last. standing for prayer, please. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, special day. We thank you for the opportunity that uh, we have to come before your throne uh, this morning. We thank you for those that have given their lives for the freedom that we have in this country, the freedom to worship. We pray now that as we come to this part of the service that we have the opportunity to give back a portion of what you've entrusted into us. We pray that you'll bless this offering and bless the remaining service as the pastor brings forth the word for us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. morning.
we pray for blessings we pray for peace comfort for our family protection well Doubt your love as if every promise from your word is not enough. And all the while we hear each desperately, as long as we have faith to. And what if trials of this life, the 
the rain, the storms, the darkest night, are your mercies. Thank you, Patty. Thank you, Patty. That was outstanding. It certainly is a blessing. If you have your Bible, I hope you do, <coughs> open your Bible up to the book of Jonah. Now, if you're wondering where Jonah is, it's behind the book of Obadiah. <laughs> on my, on my, in my Bible, it's on page 836. So it's right there. And then also, we're going to look here in a little bit. Jesus actually talked about Jonah himself. And in fact, he actually talked exactly what we're going to see here. And so in a little bit, we're going to flip over to Luke chapter 11. So we're going to be here in Jonah chapter 3, and that's 10 verses. Then we're going to flip over in a little while and look at Luke chapter 11, verse 29 through 32. This is Jonah's second chance. We all know the story of Jonah. Jonah was a guy who was called as a prophet. And I won't go over all of it, but basically Jonah, he um, was told to go to Nineveh. Well, he decided he was going to go the other way, so he went down to the seaport town of Tarshish, hopped on a boat, and started sailing out in the Mediterranean Ocean. And a um, great storm came up. Uh, he's realizing this storm is because of me. I'm at fault here. So he told the sailors. They kept trying to row and get away. It, it wasn't working out. So he said, hey, look, just it's time for me to die. Just throw me overboard, and everything will be fine. I'll die, and the storm will die down because he was running from God. Well, they threw him overboard, and the storm did die down, and also, as the Bible says, a great fish swallowed him. The Bible says Jonah was in the fish for three days and three nights. And amazingly, after that time, it spit him up on dry land. This is truly a miracle. Only God could have done that. And folks who study how is it possible to uh, stay in a fish, you know, it could have, the Bible doesn't call it a well, but I would suspect it was a well. Well, wells breathe oxygen. So somehow this large fish, which probably was a whale, swallowed Jonah. Jonah got lodged into his lungs somehow because that was how he was able to live. In Jonah chapter 2, now the Bible doesn't say all that. It was a whale and he was lodged into lung, but that's a possibility. Or it could have just been a total miracle where God, whatever type of fish it was, God supplied the oxygen and kept Jonah alive. Jonah then finds himself after three days and night. His, the Bible says this fish spit him right there on the shore. And that's where we're about to pick up right now. So here we are. Chapter 2 ends. It says, the Bible actually describes, he was vomited up on the dry land. So here's Jonah's second chance. He's the one prophet here who got two chances to obey God. And what's going to happen here is God is going to tell Jonah to go back to Nineveh. You've got to go back there, and you're going to tell these people to repent and to turn from him. Now, Nineveh is in current day Mosul. Mosul's in northern Iraq. Now, the Bible says at the end of Jonah here, there was 120,000 people, and that was considered a big city. This is 3,000 years ago we're talking about. So 120,000 people, and Mosul, or Nineveh, was a large city. Some of you might have heard of Mosul, because that's where remember ISIS, before they were knocked out, that was a city they had conquered, and the U.S. had to take back 
take back Mosul, which Mosul is Nineveh. So they, they renamed the city. So that's what we're talking about. And um, what's interesting we're going to see here is uh, this is a Memorial Day message here. This is Memorial Day weekend. And we think about Memorial Day, and this is an opportunity that we remember those who've given their life for our country. And men and women who's died for our freedoms, they did not get a second chance. They signed up, they joined the military, they were drafted, and they went to serve, and they gave their life. Jonah's the only prophet in the Bible. He actually received a second chance. Now, he got a second chance via a great fish, but it, nevertheless, he still received a second chance. And what's interesting about Jonah chapter 3, and this is what I love about the Lord, because we're going to see here, God speaks to Jonah again. There's no mention about Jonah's first chance. There's no mention of the great fish. There's no mention, hey, remember where we had to this detour through the Mediterranean Sea we had to go through before? God just speaks to him and says, all right, you're on dry land now. You had a detour. Now I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach to the people. And I think what we see here is we're going to see the mission of God, how He wanted these folks in Nineveh to be saved. He wanted His Word to go out and for uh, people to have the opportunity to repent and to respond. There's no mention of Jonah's previous failure. God doesn't remind him. You know, we're, we're awful at this. And you know, if somebody ever does something wrong to you, you'll bring that up to them over and over and over just to remind them that they stole from you, just to remind them that they cheated on you or let you down or whatever it would be, you keep remembering their previous failures. God did not remember, didn't even mention Jonah's previous failure when we were about to see here. And what's interesting, we also, the question is going to come up, why Nineveh? Well, why, you know, this is Iraq, this is current day Mosul, why is this so important? Well, the Bible described this is a great city. So this is a had 120,000 people. It was well populated. It was a very prominent city there on the Tigris River, there in northern Iraq. And we have to remember, God, if He cares about Nineveh back then, church, He cares about Lexington today. God wants Lexington saved. He wants to see folks turn to the Lord here. In our nation's history, we have had two great awakenings. The first great awakening was in the 1730s, while we were still British, a British colony. And there was a man named Jonathan Edwards who preached a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God at his church in Northampton, Massachusetts. And that started a great awakening, and folks just flooded the altar and uh, turned over the Lord. He even went, then went to a different church in Connecticut and preached the same sermon, he had a repeat sermon, and still, it still worked for great revival there for Jonathan Edwards. And that was what we call the first great awakening. And it was a mass turning to the Lord where a lot of folks got saved. Now that was in the, um, obviously in the colonies in the 1700s. But do you know in 1801 there was a revival, a second great awakening. It started right here or right up the road in Paris, Kentucky, and it was called Cane Ridge, the Cane Ridge Meeting House in Paris, Kentucky. I believe a couple of years ago, our Young at Heart group there took a tour. There was a man named Barton Stone, and he preached. This is a log cabin meeting house. A man named Barton Stone preached over 20,000 people, thousands. This was back in 1801, in August of 1801, right up the road here. And that second great awakening occurred. It started in our state. Now, Barton Stone 
Have you ever wondered, why are there so many Christian churches around here? Well, the Christian church was birthed out of that movement. That's where Barton Stone started the Christian church movement. Uh, and that's why there's so many Christian churches around here, because it, it, it came out of the Second Great Awakening. And what's great about that is these were awakenings in our nation where throughout, not, not just little regional areas, but throughout our country, people were turning to the Lord, and the churches were preaching the Bible, and folks were getting saved. That was in the early 1800s. There has not been an awakening like that in our country since. Now, we've had great pockets here and there. Billy Graham's ministry, that was outstanding. Uh, to the crusade ministry. Uh, if we were in a Pentecostal church, people would say what happened on Azulia Street in the early 1900s started the Pentecostal movement. They would say that was a great awakening for them, but these were isolated movements throughout our country. The first and second great awakening, the gospel spread throughout the whole nation. There was mass turnings to the Lord. That's when a lot of churches were planted. That's when lives were changed. That's why our nation was birthed in an awakening from the first great awakening with that. Our, our state here came out of the second great awakening. So we see here that God has an interest in great cities and nations. God cared for Nineveh. He genuinely wanted these 120,000 people in this city to be saved. He wanted them to repent of their sins. And I think what we need to see here, if God cares that much about Nineveh, He cares about Lexington. He cares about Cincinnati and Louisville. He, we can't abandon our cities. God wants, these are where the population bases are. They need to turn to the Lord. Listen, in the history of revival, we're about to see a revival here in Jonah chapter 3. In the history of all revivals, there's never been a revival such as Nineveh. There's never been a turning to the Lord where so many folks were saved. I got saved. And what's going to be great, what we're about to see when we read this, is first, what's interesting, first the people turned to the Lord, and then the king turned to the Lord. The king followed the people's leadership. Jonah chapter 3. I want you to turn your Bible. Verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. This is, the, this is the prophet who received a second chance. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach the message that I tell you. You know, I think what's interesting about this is Jonah probably thought after he was swallowed by a great fish and spit out on dry land, he probably thought, well, I'm done. You know, God, I guess I made it. Thank you for saving me. Even though I had I'm starving after being in a fish for three days and three nights. And I'm, I'm sorry I didn't obey. But he told him, all right, Jonah, here we go. Second, second round, get up. Get, I mean, he's on the shore of the beach right now. And he spoke to him a second time. Many of us don't even get a second chance. Our soldiers that gave our life for our country, they didn't receive a second chance. But if you've had a second chance, you've received... You've received a blessing in your life. As Patty just sang about. Because not everybody gets second chances. But Jonah here, God is speaking to him two times. And it says here that Jonah got up in verse 3, and he went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. So this time he obeyed. Now Nineveh was an extremely great city. A three-day walk. And what that meant here is three-day walk meant 
It took three days to walk around and talk to everybody. Because he's on the Mediterranean Sea, and he's got to go all the way to current day Mosul. That's 900 miles, so it's a long walk to get there for several months. But it was a three-day walk once he arrived to go around preaching. Verse 4, Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, In 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. That's his sermon. Seven words. All he said, guys, in 40 days, God is going to bring judgment. Judgment will come to Nineveh. Do you know there will be a time that judgment will come to America? That our string eventually will run out. Our lives will run out. There comes a time where judgment is when we're called into an account to God where we have to give an account to Him for the way we've lived and the way we've made decisions or our lack of decisions. So this is the warning that he's preaching. In verse 5 it says, Then the people of Nineveh started here with the people, not with the king. It says they believed God. Even though Jonah was proclaiming it, they recognized this man is a prophet of God, so they believed him. First star of revival, you have to believe God. Our greatest challenge today is getting people to believe the Bible. A lot of people do not believe the Bible. They even say they believe the Bible, but they don't. The way you know if somebody believes the Bible is that they live by the Bible. If their lives actually line up to what Scripture actually says. So these folks here, they believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth. That's a sign of mourning. So all of a sudden they're calling for their sack. From the greatest of them to the least. So all the people are listening to Jonah. Because of their wickedness. They're responding to him. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, and put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. So here the king, he's responding as well. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By the order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock, is to taste anything at all. Even the animals there in Nineveh, even they participated in the, uh, in the repenting, if that's possible. They got involved in the fast. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? May God turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger, so we may not perish. Nineveh was considered a wicked city. It was a city that was not following God's teaching. And Jonah had gone there to proclaim this message. And the king saw he was a perfect politician. He saw what the people were doing. They were repenting and they were turning. So any good politician king says, Hey, if the people are doing this, I'm I'm, I'm like the people, so I'm going to follow along with them. So he then proclaims a fast. And he goes along with them, and he even got the animals involved, took it a new level. And they're, they're repenting and saying, we hope the Lord, he turns from his anger. We hope he responds to us with that. And then look here at verse 10. Now this is, uh, for some folks, this proposes a problem for the doctrine of God. Now look what it says here in verse 10. God saw their actions that... They had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster He had threatened them with, and He did not do it. So I said, Pastor, what's the problem there? Say, did God change? Did God change His mind? 
And the answer is no. Malachi 3.6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. One of God's attributes is He doesn't change. What happened here is God had threatened destruction to this city. He warned them, saying, if you don't repent, if you don't turn to the Lord, there won't be a Nineveh. This city won't be great anymore. You won't be alive. And they had, an, they had a window, as Jonah said, they had 40 days. They're, they had an, an opportunity to repent of their sin. And I think what we see here today is that, you know, it's easy to look at and say, oh, well, God changes His mind. No, God never changes His mind. If God decrees something, if God threatens something, He's saying, I'm putting the ball in your court. Destruction is going to come unless you repent. If Nineveh didn't repent, they would be destroyed. God's attributes never change. He's always holy. He's always good. He's always faithful. His word is always true. That's what it means. He's he's immovable. So what happens here is we see God threatened because He would much rather forgive than judge. Now, if God is threatening Nineveh, Broadway, He's also threatening us today. God does not tolerate wickedness. He does not... He doesn't allow things to continue that are wrong. You know, many of us live... Um, you know, we, we live like... Um, let me use Sherry's example. This past week, Sherry went over and um, visited her friend Amy Kelly. Amy got a new bed, so they were, she was in looking at Amy's new bed. And she comes home and says, Dean, I want to tell you about Amy's clock in her bedroom. The clock is on the ceiling. And you can lay in bed and you look up. It's right there. It is so cool. We need to get us one. I've never heard of such. How do they put a clock on the ceiling, Cher? She said, it's a telescope clock. It somehow projects it over here or up there. So right when you wake up in the morning... You always know what time it is just by looking up. I go, that is neat. I say, Sherry, is that what you want for Christmas this year? <laughs> this is how we live. And she said, no, Daniel, I'm going to get you one for Christmas. <laughs> this is a true story. This happened this week. I said, Sherry, um, I, I, don't, I don't want a telescope clock for Christmas. That's not, that's not what I want. And she told me she's getting me that. Now, do you realize what she just did? She's going to buy me a telescope clock for Christmas, and then she's going to get whatever she wants. And she's going to take what she gave me. So she's going to get the two-for-one present. That's how you give. This is how people live. This is what folks do. Are you married to somebody who does the two-for-one gift? There we go. Some guys, are all, I know it's every man, it's all guys that race. This is, how, this is how you don't even get a present, your wife gets two presents. But this is how we treat the Lord the same way. We want, we want to win in everything we do. And that's what some ladies do. And, and God's not going to allow this here with the Nineveh. He's saying, guys, unless you repent, unless you turn, you will suffer and die. There are consequences for sin. We as believers in Christ, church, listen, you cannot continue living a habitual, sinful lifestyle and have no consequences. 
and just think everything's going to be great. We as a nation of America, we cannot have a nation that has rampant homosexuality, abortion, drugs, uh, complete neglect of the poor, complete breakdown of the family, and say, well, as long as that doesn't happen in my life, and in my church, and in my little circle of friends, I don't want to deal with it. You have, you're, you're in a, we're in a nation that's just collapsing morally all around us. And we think as long as it doesn't happen in my house or in my circle here of 10 friends or 12 friends, it doesn't concern me. And what God is trying to say through Jonah is saying, no, Jonah, it is your problem. Listen, if these people, Nineveh, Nineveh is your problem, Jonah. Lexington is your problem. And the immorality of our nation is your problem. You take ownership of it. You go do something about it. Jesus loves our city. He loves our nation. He died for these folks, everyone. He wants them to turn and be saved. Do you have that same desire? I'm preaching myself because I'm the worst at this. We literally live in a bubble. So, okay, I've got my group of friends. I've got my little home. got my, my group. And as long as that stuff can happen downtown, that can be on the other side of town, as long as it doesn't bother me, as long as crime don't come over here, I'm fine. I'm fine. It just stays over there. They just need to hire some more policemen and deal with that problem. That is not how the Lord is. That is not what we see here with Nineveh. God sent Jonah to this city to proclaim to their wickedness, guys, y'all need to be aware. If you don't repent, you will perish. Jesus wants to raise up an army of Jonas and saying, you need to go to your city. You need to be bold. Jonah went there and he's proclaiming this word. He's proclaiming what God says. He's He's going there, and he's, he's wanting the people to be saved. Keep your finger here, Jonah chapter 3. Flip over in your Bible, because Jesus picked up on this. Jesus started talking about the preaching of Jonah. Turn your Bible to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 32. Luke eleven twenty nine. Jesus gave us the sign of Jonah. And typically we think of the sign of Jonah as about the great fish, but the story of Jonah is not really about the great fish. It's about God's love for the city of Nineveh. It's how God was pursuing these people. And you say, well, how did he reach them? He reached them with the preaching of Nineveh. The problem today with preaching is a lot of people don't hear preachers anymore. Jonah didn't go to the synagogue and preach. He had to walk around for three days in the city and proclaim because if he would have just set up shop at the church and say, you need to come hear me, they wouldn't have come. Lost people don't come into church buildings. People aren't knocking our doors and saying, man, I want to get saved this Sunday. They don't. You have to go to them and say, son, if you don't repent, if you don't turn to the Lord, there's consequences for your actions. That's what Jonah's walking around proclaiming this. Now look what Jesus says about it. Luke chapter 11, verse 29. As the crowds were increasing, he began saying, so Jesus' numbers are getting big. 
He's getting very popular here. This generation, and you love Jesus, when, the bigger the crowds got, the worse the teachings were. I mean, it's a more critical. This generation is an evil generation. That's how he starts his sermon. I mean, this is 2,000 years ago in Israel with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, looking at these people saying, you know what, your generation is an evil generation. Now listen, if God, Jesus says that 2,000 years ago, would he say that today? I would guess, and maybe I'm wrong, we have become more evil than we were 2,000 years ago. We're more corrupt, more sinful, more easily to forget God's commands, or even know God's command. Jesus is saying, guys, you're an evil generation. It demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So Jesus is saying, you're not going to get a sign. I'm not going to come and fly out of the sky and come say, I'm the sign, turn to you. I'm Jesus, turn to me. Jesus doesn't work that way. The sign is Jonah. So here's, the, here's what the sign is. Verse 30, For just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Well, that's what Jesus is talking about here. There's this great queen called Sheba. She traveled all the way to see Solomon and hear about his wisdom. And that was a sign. And look, something greater than Solomon is here. We talked about Solomon last Sunday. Solomon was the smartest and the most wealthiest man ever to live. But as great as Solomon was, and people traveled all over to come see Sol- here and see Solomon, someone greater than Solomon. And Jesus is saying, it's me. Verse 32, and look what he says here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching. And look, someone greater than Jonah is here. Now, listen, listen, I don't want y'all to miss this. Verse 32, I want you to follow along in your Bibles. The men of Nineveh, so these are the men that repented of their sin. It says they will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. That's the generation of Jesus. He's talking about 2,000 years ago. Because they repented at Jonah's preaching and looked someone greater than Jonah's here. What Jesus is saying is the day of judgment. When we are judged here in 2018, if you were to pass away, when you, when you go to be, be with the Lord, you will actually see the men of Nineveh standing there. And they will have the authority to judge us. Do you know why? Because they repented of their sin. If people perish without the Lord and do not repent, you will have the men of Nineveh from a wicked city that will have the authority to accuse you and saying you're condemned because you failed to repent. What Jesus is saying is as as wicked as the people of Nineveh were. Nineveh is like the San Francisco of today. Be like San Francisco here in the United States. Just a wicked, immoral city. Could you imagine people in San Francisco condemning you and saying, hey, you didn't repent. Man, look at you. 
That's what Jesus is saying. A person who repents is more righteous than even people who are self-righteous and feel they don't need to repent. And feel, hey, I'm a great American, and I love our country, and I'm going to celebrate Memorial Day. Well, that's great and wonderful, but that doesn't mean you're saved. Jesus is looking for people who repent and turn from their sin. In our nation, there will not be enough. We're, do you know America is not mentioned in the Scripture? How, are we promised tomorrow as a country? Is there, could there be 40, 50, 60 years from now a USA? Listen, Nineveh's getting the threat. They said, unless you turn, there will be consequences. We are not promised tomorrow. Our lives are not promised, and neither is our nation. And what dis- the way God destroys nations is they destroy within. They become immoral. They're wicked. They turn from the Lord. <clears throat> Look up here on the screen. This is Jonah's message, and this is our message for today. This is what we want to conclude with. We need to be aware of what Jonah's message, because the, Jesus said that the people responded to Jonah's preaching. God expects people to respond. He expects you and I to respond to His Word. Listen, if you come to church and you hear invitation after invitation after invitation and you never respond, the Bible calls that disobedience. If you fail to get baptized, if you fail to say, hey, I'm going to commit myself to the Lord, I'm going to put Christ first in my life, and I'm going to make a public commitment to follow Him, you're failing to obey. Jesus said the people of Nineveh responded to God's preaching, to Jonah's preaching. There was a response. They put on sackcloth and ashes. Look, look, what happened. look at Jonah's message. This is what he's saying. The guy only preached seven words. I mean, it was the shortest sermon in the Bible. If you don't turn your life over to God, you're doomed. That's what he's saying. That's the same message today. That's our message. Jesus Christ is speaking to us, speaking to our nation. If you don't turn to the Lord, give your life to the Lord in repentance. Do you know Jesus' first sermon was in Matthew 4, 17. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. First word that came out of his mouth. He's calling folks to turn. Jesus Christ is speaking probably some of you today, saying there is sin, unconfessed sin in your life. If you do not repent of it, you will die. You'll be doomed. You'll be like the people of Nineveh if they didn't repent. Number two, Jonah's message was only seven. The length of a sermon, the, the words are the same. The message is God will judge you. You have 40 days to, to turn to the Lord. The same message is the same today. Jesus says someone greater than Jonah has come. If Jesus Christ is not first in your life, you're, you're, like the, you're like the people of Nineveh before they repented. And He's calling us to respond to like the Ninevites did. Number three we see here, God threatened judgment today as He did in Jonah's time. And we live under this. God is speaking to us, and He's threatening judgment. Now, many of you are wondering, well, Dan, what do I do? How do I respond? Jesus Christ 
When he said that in Luke chapter 11, when he says someone greater than Jonah's here, he's saying my words, that my preaching and teaching in this book should be the most important thing in your life. It should govern the way you live. It should be your worldview. It should be indoctrinated in your soul. Meaning, it's your identity as a person. Jesus Christ is saying, Broadway, I want you. And this morning, the Lord is speaking to you. And He's saying, you need to repent. We live in the time of Jonah. We live in just a wicked... We live in the Nineveh today, here in Lexington. God has a passion for our city. He wants folks to be saved. You know, we're playing little Daniel's birthday party in a week. This just shows you our, our, our community. and We're doing laser tag. and We put a little RSVP. Nobody RSVPs anymore. We always ask for it. We're old school. So these, we actually had RSVP yesterday. And the little guy wanted us to, to little Daniel call him tomorrow. He said, Will you please ask Daniel to call me tomorrow morning. I said, son, tomorrow morning we'll be at church. And he goes, oh, you know why I said that? He doesn't go to church. And that should be sad. This is a 13-year-old little boy who's coming to our birthday party, little, D, little D's birthday party, and he didn't go to church. Like his, his mind, his, that little child who goes to school here in our city, who lives in our city, his worldview on Sunday mornings is, oh, well, that's when you make phone calls, that's when you do play games, that's when you catch up on homework. His worldview, his mindset isn't like most of ours. Why would you go to church on Sunday morning? If mommy and daddy didn't raise you to bring that, if you didn't have a relationship with the Lord, if he's not first in your life, that guy's going to grow up not knowing the Lord. He's not going to know the value of Sunday. You know, the reason we go to church on Sunday morning as, a, as Christians is because on Sunday morning the tomb was empty. That's why. That's why we're here. Because 2,000 years ago, Mary Magdalene, uh, Peter, and John, they showed up to go look at Je- the role, to go look to see if they could anoint Jesus' body, go pay their respects. They were doing their, you know, the first, the resurrection morning. You know, this is, like um, uh, Roy said, this used to be called Decoration Day. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. It used to be Decoration Day. That's what was supposed to happen on Sunday morning. It was Decoration Day for Jesus. Except you show up and the man's gone, the tomb's empty. He's alive all of a sudden. There's no need to put flowers there at Jesus' tomb. That is why we worship here on Sunday morning. There's no question about it. We come to worship a risen Savior. This is why Sunday morning worship should be priority in your week. Because Jesus is alive. He saves you. He's in heaven. He's the reason we're going to heaven if He's your Savior. But for some people in our city, like that little boy, Sunday morning... It's not. It's not the day to celebrate a risen Savior. You don't go to church. Guys, this is Nineveh. Lexington is, is, is exactly Jonah chapter 3. All these folks here, Jesus Christ is not the Lord of their life. They do not have Him as their Savior. Jesus is sending some of you. God threatens judgment today as in Jonah's time. Some of you say, I don't know what to do. Listen, our Nineveh is right here in our city. Fayette County. 
A revival already started in Bourbon County in 1801. A third great awakening could start right here. And it started with the people, not with the king. The king got on board, as a good politician does, but the people turned and they believed God. When you believe the preaching of the Word of God, you're believing the Lord. You don't believe the person you're believing. This is what God wants me to do. Some of you this morning, you need to respond like the people in Nineveh did. They believed God. They repented of their sin and they turned to Him. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. Here on Memorial Day, we can respond to God. So let's bow our heads. We're gonna, I'm going to, from time to time, you always need an opportunity to respond to the message and ask Jesus into your heart and to repent of your sin. Because some of you here, you could be guests and you might have no idea. You say, Dan, I've heard this sermon, but how do I get saved? The Bible tells us if we cry out, we cry out to the Lord. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's Romans 10, 13. And this is, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you are here this morning, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never received Jesus, if you've never repented, just like the Ninevites did, you can repent of your sin and turn to the Lord. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I want you to pray along. You don't have to do it publicly. You do it privately. God knows your heart. Dear Jesus, I repent of my sin. I turn from my sin. I ask for forgiveness. From this day on, Jesus, I live for you. Please come inside me. And make my life your home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to look up. The Bible says, church, it's true. You cry out to the Lord in repentance. He hears that prayer. He hears your heart's cry, and He answers it. That's what it means to repent and receive Jesus. You preach a, mess, you preach a message here out of Jonah chapter 3. A man came preaching about judgment, about how they had to turn to the Lord, and that's how you turn to the Lord this morning. I want to everyone to stand. If God has spoken to you this morning, if you've prayed and received Jesus Christ your Savior, we close every service. The Ninevites put on sackcloth and ashes. We don't do that here. We make it public and say, I received the Lord. I, I turn to Jesus. We have an opportunity for you to make it public. I'm always standing down front. This is our what we call our hymn of invitation. And this morning we're going to sing hymn number 256 in your songbook, Have You Been to Calvary? I'll be standing up front waiting for you to respond. Have you been to the cross? Where the Lord Jesus suffered, have you been to Calvary? Have you been to the place of redemption for sinners? Have you been to Calvary? It was there on Calvary, God's dear Son laid down His life for you, while there's time.
time, don't delay. Place your faith in Christ Jesus. Turn your eyes now to Calvary. You can search, you can buy, and try everything man may, but it cannot satisfy. It is Christ, only Christ, who gives life more abundant, and he calls from It was there on Calvary, God's dear Son laid down His life for you. While there's time, don't delay, place your faith in Christ Jesus. Turn your eyes now to Calvary. While the Spirit's clear voice can be heard softly pleading, give your life to Jesus now. Trusting faith is a way to have life everlasting from Calvary. It was there on Calvary, God's dear Son laid down His life for you. While there's time, don't delay. Place your faith in Christ Jesus. Turn your eyes now to Calvary. I'm going to ask everybody to be seated real quick. I'll invite Bill Eads to come forward. Bill, do you mind coming up here real quick? While Bill comes up here, I want to make a couple other announcements share some events of some things going on uh, real quick. I received a VBS announcement here so from Miss Nancy Crawford. Nancy, you raise your hand so everybody sees who. Nancy is selling, uh, she's gotten into business here. She's selling stuff here at church. She's selling VBS t-shirts. She'll sell you a t-shirt. They're for leaders. If you're helping out with VBS, she was telling me this morning we have 130 children already pre-registered, so you need to sign your children up. That's uh, a great turnout. Oh, come on up here, Bill. And, um, uh, uh, her t-shirts are $5. She needs to know today. If you're planning on helping VBS, Nancy would be right up here. You just come see her. Uh, let her know your size you need, and she can certainly uh, get you signed up. She was also telling me our biggest group is kindergarten. We need more kindergarten helpers, desperately. We've had a lot of kindergartners sign up. So we want to encourage you to um, uh, help out with Bible school. If you want to help out VBS, it's next month. Nancy will be here with that. Also, I want to remind you, this is Memorial Day weekend, and we do not have evening worship service tonight. It's an opportunity for you to celebrate decoration, uh, 
uh, visit with your family, you go to the cemetery. So that's, um, there's no uh, youth group, no uh, children's ministry, anything going on tonight. Bill, come stand up here. This here is Bill Eads. Bill received some terrible news this week. And I'm going to invite here in a minute our deacons and our, uh, some of the men to come up here. Bill's been a member of our church for almost 30 years here at Broadway. He's also on staff here. He's our custodian. On Tuesday of this week, Bill found out he has incurable stage 4 lung cancer, and it has spread all over his body. And uh, it's... Uh, anything else, Bill? Is that... So that's, uh, it, was so, it was so bad of a diagnosis. It was the worst possible news he could have received. And uh, they actually started chemo. This was on Tuesdays. They started chemotherapy on Wednesday. That's how quick uh, they operated or began the chemotherapy. Uh, Bill keeps our church clean. He, um, he locks up. He unlocks. He runs the show around here. And uh, it's, uh, it's not a good diagnosis at all for Bill. So uh, anything else you wanted me to share? Bill wants us to pray for him. Uh, the, uh, uh, Bill, is, a lot of times he's behind the scenes. It was even hard for me to get him to come up here. He, but he needs prayer. He's desperate for prayers right now. And he needs his church family lifting him up to the Lord uh, with what, this battle, this battle of cancer that he's uh, undertaking. But um, I want to invite, if you're a deacon or a man, I wanna, we're going to come lay hands on Bill, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And then... Um, also, Sherry and I are going to be going down to Atlanta this week. Our daughter, Esther, is about to have a major surgery as well. If you ever notice, Esther, her feet aren't straight. And uh, they're actually going to take her legs off at her knees and straighten them out and put a pin in there where her knees are at. And um, she's going to be in a full body cast. So this whole summer, we'll be pulling her in a wagon. <laughs> so, uh, But um, we need, uh, it will be a, a Children's Health Care of Atlanta Scottish Rite. So also, I'm going to lead us in a prayer for, um, uh, for Esther as well. So let's come on up, and we'll put our hands, let's all gather and put our hands on Bill, and, and, and we'll pray for him. God, we come to you this morning. Lord, we give you Bill. Lord, this is a terrible week for him with his diagnosis. Lord, the doctor said there's nothing to do, and this is it's just bad news all, all the way around. Everything they said was the worst possible news. Lord, Bill needs you. Lord, even when the doctor said, says, we can't do anymore, Lord, we have a God that says, I can. If you can swallow Jonah, and he can live for three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, Lord, you can heal Bill. Lord, we pray for him. We give him. We pray that, Lord, you will work through this chemotherapy. We pray for his strength. As he's already getting tired and he's weak. We pray for his children, his family. Lord, I thank you for the Gosh, the 30 years of his faithfulness for serving here at Broadway. Lord, we pray if he needs help, that we as a church family, we will step up and start helping him around here. Lord, I pray that we will just be diligent in our prayer closets these weeks and months ahead to be just remembering him. Lord, we give you, Bill, and I just especially pray that you heal him of this terrible disease. Lord, we pray for our daughter, Esther as she's going to be in Atlanta this week for her surgery, for her legs, Lord, we just pray that her legs will grow straight. And Lord, you'll straighten them out, and you'll even use the surgeons there. We pray for her recovery. She'll be in a cast this whole summer. Lord, we pray for Bill. We pray for Esther. Lord, we just pray the power of prayer here at Broadway. Your word says, my house will be called a house of prayer. And Lord, we pray we will never make it a den of robbers. We don't want to rob you of prayer and worship. 
Lord, we give you Bill and we give you Esther this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing Blessed Be the Name a cappella. Just sing it with me if you will. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen, you're dismissed. How are you all doing? It's so good to see you.